course, a wonderful blessing. Barb, it's great to see you. We're glad that you're doing very well. And we just pray God's continued blessings on you as you continue to heal from your surgeries and all the things that uh, you've had to go through the last few months. We're really happy to have you here. That's a blessing for sure. Wanted to mention that there will be Bible classes immediately following today. And so hope you can stick around and be part of that. Ronnie Sedora is going to be teaching the, go- uh, the gospel, the book of James in here. And then there's a men's class that's going to take place in the fireside room uh, that Jordan Clark is going to be leading, Lead Like Jesus. So I really encourage you to stick around for the, the um, classes after our time together today. You have no doubt heard the expression before, let's boil this down. But have you ever thought about what that means? What exactly does it mean to boil something down? Well, it means to distill But then you think, well, what does distill mean? We could say, well, it means to pare things down. But what does pare mean? And so it means to reduce something to its core ideas. I remember boiling things down one time. When I was a younger man, Jacob, I had hair. And so I I used to use a comb. I don't actually use a comb. I haven't used a comb for years. But I did at one point actually have a comb. And it was one of those small black combs that men used to have all the time. I don't know if guys even use these anymore. But but small black combs, they were maybe six inches long. Larry's got one in his hand right now. Way to go, Larry. Yeah, you could carry them in your pocket. That's why they were small. I don't know why they were black, but, you know, that's what we had. So uh, I, I noticed that my comb was getting a little bit dirty, you know, like I think it was actually shampoo residue when I think about it now, but it would get between the teeth, you know, and I thought, well, you know, how am I going to get this out of here? And and my stepmother suggested that I boil it. I thought, that's a great idea. So I took my comb and I put it in a pan, I filled it with water and I turned on the stove and then I forgot it. And I was gone, you know, I don't know what I did for the next hour or whatever, but all of a sudden I noticed there was this smell in the house. And I, you know, I thought, what is that? I went into the kitchen and my my comb was cemented to the bottom of the pan. It had become just a, a black pile of melted plastic on the bottom of the pan. And, of course, all the water was gone. Well, that's what it means to boil things down. I had boiled them down, and that comb was extremely clean. Well, today I want to boil things down, but I'm hoping that it won't end up exactly Uh, like that. I'm hoping with a a bit better result. We've been talking about discipleship for about the last four months, defining it, talking about its key elements, stressing its importance. And here's what I hope. Trent, you want to give me the first slide, please? Kelly's New Year's hope is that like our previous emphases on the Holy Spirit, remember that? We did a couple of years ago where we spent almost a whole year on the Holy Spirit, or the kingdom of God, which we spent a good number of months on, or on holding on to our faith despite the intellectual challenges we face, which we did last year at the beginning of the year, that we have seen the importance of discipleship, the importance of following Jesus. And so that's on our banner, of course. Come follow me. They left everything and followed him. And I hope that you've been reflecting on that over the last few months. And I hope that as you thought about that, that there's something about it that impacted you. I hope that somehow your life is changed because of what we've been talking about with reference to discipleship, that the word of God has impacted you. That's what I hope. 
And it's important because we need to see the, the importance of following Jesus. We need to see what it means to give our lives entirely to him and to be changed. We need to see that. But where do we go from here? It's one thing to get the idea that we're to, supposed to follow Jesus. It's another thing to talk about the specific ways in which we're going to follow him. What that means in our daily lives. And so in the next few weeks, what I want to do is make this abundantly more practical. And in one sense, I'm going to boil it down and go to the essence of what I think it means to be a disciple and the ways in which being a disciple needs to impact us specifically. And I so, so I, hope you're, uh, I hope you're ready for all of that. Now, I don't want to end up with a burned piece of plastic at the end. I want it to be better than that. And the best place that we can go in terms of making sure that doesn't happen is to Scripture. And so there are some Scriptures that I think do, in fact, boil down the kind of things that we've been focused on. Trenton, next slide, please. Like Matthew 4.19, this has become a key text for us. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I'll make you fishers of men. The notion of following him means something for us. Now, it may be that making fishers of men is still a little bit difficult, but the notion of boiling this down to following Jesus and making fishers of men in the process is nonetheless important. Next slide, Trent. Thanks. They left everything and followed him. That's an important kind of boiled down idea here that's crucial for us to get in terms of what it means to follow Jesus. And the next slide. Luke 5, 28, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. We want to, in some sense, be like Levi. We want to say to the Lord, Lord, I am going to give up everything so that I can be yours, so I can give my heart completely to you. Now, it might be that even after all of that, you still might be asking the question, what does this really look like? And so I want to do some boiling down this morning, in a sense, and then add also some the comb imagery, some teeth to this. And I'm hoping that we can get some guidance uh, from what we talk about this morning. Let's imagine that you've decided that you're entirely sold out to Jesus. You really want 2017 to be a renewed time of faith for you. No more living halfway for Christ. No more distractions No more compromises. And so you decide every morning when you get out of bed, I'm going to intentionally follow Jesus. Your feet hit the floor, and the first thing you say is, I want to give Christ all of me. And I would say that's a great decision. And in fact, really biblical. But when you decide that, there's at least one thing that needs to happen when it comes to deciding and then making sure that the person that God wants you to be in following him really comes about. I want you to turn in your Bibles to James chapter 1, verse 22, if you would, please. James chapter 1, verse 22. And watch these words. These are significant words. The book of James is interesting. Ronnie's going to be teaching that here uh, in just a little while. James is almost proverbial-like in so many ways. All these little snippets. And they appear almost at times to be unrelated. They're not actually unrelated, but a little bit of that feel of Proverbs with the book of James. In verse 22, James says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. 
Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. And so the point obviously is that God expects us not to just make a decision to be his person. He doesn't want us to just decide to put him first. He wants us to actually build upon what it is that we decide. The idea of leaving everything... And following Jesus, if you think about it, is not all that complicated. The idea of making Jesus Lord is not all that hard. The idea of being obedient to God's will in your life is actually pretty easy. The idea of saying, I will let nothing stand between me and Jesus, between me being fully devoted to him with all of my heart and all my mind and all my soul, that's not all that hard. But it is really difficult to actually do what we say we're going to do. And so we start out a year like 2017 and we make decisions and we say, I'm going to be this kind of person in the year 2017. Things are going to change for me. And we make commitments. We make resolutions. But everybody knows that resolutions were meant to be broken. And so we make resolutions, but we don't follow through. And what James is saying here is we've got to follow through. It is so crucial that we really follow through. I remember when I was in high school, halfway through my grade 12 year, I decided that I was going to be a marathoner. I'd done pretty well in running, hadn't run a marathon yet. I thought, boy, you know, I really would love to, to become a marathoner. So I went to my track coach and I said, you know, the Trails End Marathon is coming up uh, in January. What do I need to do, you know, to become a marathoner? And he said this, he said, this is not hard. He said, you need to run nine miles every day. And he kind of gave me some theory about how if you, you only need to run one third of your racing distance in training in order to accomplish the racing distance. So you can run three times further in a race than what you normally train. He said, you run nine miles every day at a certain pace. And when you go to run the marathon, you're going to be able to run that pace for 26.2 miles. So that sounded good. But I had to not just make a decision that I was going to run nine miles a day. I also had to go face the rain and the wind and the roads and the sidewalks and I had to actually get out and do the running. It wasn't enough for me to plan for my diet. It wasn't enough for me to plan my strategy. It wasn't enough for me to plan my route. It wasn't enough for me to have great shoes. It wasn't enough for me to have great clothing that I could wear out in the rain and the wind. It wasn't enough for me to keep myself hydrated. All those things were important. They all had to be done. But the most important thing in order for me to run a marathon was for me to go out and actually start running. I had to do that. And sometimes this is how we do things. We talk and we plan and we dream and we teach and we prepare ourselves. And then we don't actually do the things that need to happen in order for us to accomplish our goals. And so this passage, James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. If I would have just listened to my coach and thought, this is a brilliant idea, run nine miles a day and eat the right foods and do all those things, but then I didn't actually do what it says, I would be deceiving myself if I thought that I was a marathoner. 
I might have looked like one, but I wouldn't have actually been one. And here's a simple fact for us today. If in the end, if in the end, we don't end up following Jesus, and if we don't make fishers of men, if we don't disciple others, it will be because we simply decided not to. It'll be because we simply decided not to. It will be because we got distracted by the things of this world and did not do what the word says about making disciples. That's the bottom line. And the reason I know this is because I know hundreds, thousands of churches have discovered the means of making disciples. There are a thousand different ways that you can become a church that makes disciples for Jesus Christ. Because thousands of churches do this. There are so many ways of being effective for the Lord in terms of bringing other people to him and being disciples who make disciples. And we've got one of those plans. We've got a means of doing this. The question is whether or not we will actually follow through with all the plans. Whether we're just going to say we're going to do this or we're actually going to do this. So that's one thing that's important for us to understand this morning. We need to actually do these things and not let the world distract us from doing the things that we know we need to do. Now I want you to turn, if you would, in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Because let's imagine, let's imagine that we decide to do this and then we're actually going to follow through. Let's say we're, we're really going to do this. We're going to be disciple-making Christians. And we're going to do so by following Jesus. We're going to leave everything and we're going to follow Christ. What is it that we're going to do? Well, it makes sense to me that we would look and see what Jesus did. And so chapter 9, verse 35 of the Gospel of Matthew says this. Jesus went through all the towns and Galilee's. Sorry, all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, and this just makes so much sense to me that Jesus would say this and pray for this and that we would say this and pray for this. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And it's so Wonderful that Jesus didn't say, ask the Lord to get people into a a room where they can sit down and talk about how they're going to strategize to reach people. He doesn't say that. He says, pray that the Lord will actually send forth workers. That people will actually go and do something and not just talk about it. Now, in addition to that, there are at least three things that Jesus says here that he specifically was doing, or the gospel writer says Jesus was doing in terms of actually reaching people for him. Teaching, preaching, and healing. And he says this actually in Matthew 4.23 and in 9.35. We've talked about this before. These are like bookends in the gospel of Matthew. 
When you look at the ministry of Jesus, Matthew 4.23 says that Jesus was doing this. Matthew 9.35 says Jesus was doing this. And in between, Jesus does it. And so the teaching, preaching, and healing that Jesus talks about is exactly what we need to be doing. We need to be teaching the things of God. We need to be preaching about the gospel. And we need to be healing people's hurts. And by the way, my sense is that at least two of these we don't do too badly on. I don't think we're bad teachers in terms of being a congregation who focuses on the word of God and teaches people. And we're really good, I think, at healing. Like we work hard to heal the hurts in people's lives. We are not so good, perhaps, on the third. And so God wants us, I believe, to be teaching. He wants us to be preaching. He wants us to be healing. These are the things that Jesus did when he went about discipling people for him. So what if we woke up in the morning... And our feet hit the floor. And we said to ourselves, what am I going to do today? And the answer came back, I think I'm going to either teach, or I think I'm going to preach, or I think I'm going to do some healing. I'm going to do something for Jesus today that would take me down this road of discipleship. You know what we do when we get up? Our feet hit the floor, and we might first think, ooh, it's cold. But then I think to myself, or you think to yourselves, what am I going to wear? And you know that. Ladies, is that not the question you ask? Maybe when you're still lying in bed, the alarm goes off and you think, oh, what am I going to wear today? That's what we think of. Or we think, oh, is there anything for breakfast? Is there any food in this house? Or we might think, I need to make some money today so that I can keep this house and keep this shelter over my head. What's interesting about that is in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus specifically says, I don't want you worrying about what you wear. I don't want you worrying about what you're going to eat. Jesus says, the Lord knows you need all those things. Don't be focusing on that. Don't be worrying about that. That's not what he wants you to worry about. In fact, he says, and this is the thing that scares me maybe more than anything else. What Jesus says specifically is, the pagans run after those things. And when our feet hit the floor in the morning, sometimes we are just like the pagans. We're thinking about the same things. Where Jesus went about teaching and preaching, and healing, and then praying, oh God, send forth workers to do the same thing. And so very quickly, I've, I was thinking, how can I help people to remember this? The idea that when they get up in the morning, their feet hit the floor, that they think teaching, preaching, and healing. So I turned this around a little bit, little bit. I played with the letters, and I came up with this. Next slide, Trenton. Fit. Are you fit? And right at the beginning of the year, everybody's thinking about whether or not they're fit. It's just the wrong kind of fit. And so are you fit? When you get up in the morning, think about preaching and teaching and healing. And what are you going to do for Jesus about those things today? And it could be if that's where we are, if we're thinking about being fit, that we can become answers to the prayers that Jesus told the disciples to pray about the workers. 
going into a harvest field that needs workers and yet is rich and ready to be harvested. And if this is the case, and we don't just say we're going to follow Jesus, but we actually follow Jesus and do these things, then the kingdom of God has the chance to receive from us some benefit and to receive some blessing and for us to be what God wants us to be. So the question this morning is, are you fit? I hope you are. You don't have to run nine miles a day in order to be so. You just have to be doing the things that Jesus did in following him. Let's pray. Lord, I would pray you'd bless us that we might be workers who answer your call. We look into our world and it's indeed ripe. There are people who long for something. We pray that you'd help us to find them. It won't happen, God, if we just decide to do so. It will only happen when we do so. And so help us to act. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.